Live from Earth, it's Space Radio. This is Paul Sutter, and coming up, we're talking about the seven deadly, I mean exciting, space launches of 2020, and of course, taking listener questions about all things in this beautiful universe, because that's what this show is about. We record every Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern, and you can follow along online or leave a voicemail at spaceradioshow.com. And in today's Blue Shift, I'll be talking about how the universe works. But first, the news. Hey, space cadets, welcome to Space Radio. I'm Paul Sutter, astrophysicist at Stony Brook University and the Flatiron Institute. And for the next half hour, your agent of the stars. We've got an exciting show for you today where we talk about all things space, astronomy, astrophysics, rocketry. If it's above the Earth's atmosphere, it's in this show's universe. This show lives on listener questions. We record every Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern here in Spaceman Studios in New York City. So leave a voicemail at spaceradioshow.com to get yourself on the air. You can also follow along with our space cadets tuning in live from around the world, including but not limited to Vipava, Slovenia, Eureka, California, Pell City, Alabama, North Carolina, Greece, Nelson, New Zealand, and Austin, Texas. Hello, space cadets. Welcome to the journey. You can send questions on those live streams, and there's a chance greater than zero, less than 100, that I will answer it. Seriously, folks, I've only prepped a few minutes of show material tops, so get those questions in. Before I start taking calls, I wanted to share some interesting bits of news I caught recently and how is it even humanly possible? If you have a heart, if you have a soul, if you have one speck of gray matter between your ears, then how can you possibly call yourself human and not be excited for the space launches coming in 2020? First off, we've got four missions to Mars which means two of them might actually get there. We have the Mars 2020 rover, conveniently named. Hope it's, if it's delayed, will they call it the Mars 2021 rover? Not different question. We won't go there. It's going to be the Mars 2020 rover. It's going to launch in 2020. We've got the Chinese sending the Huajing-1 to study the Martian terrain. It's a rover too. The Europeans and the Russians are teaming up that's an unlikely duo, but here we go to send the Rosalind Franklin to also check out the Martian surface. And then the United Arab Emirates is sending the Hope Mars mission. I'm not exactly sure what they're hoping for, but I hope they get it. So we got four missions potentially coming up in 2020. We've got the first ever, not the first ever, the first astronauts to launch from the United States in what feels like forever and since like 2011 since the space shuttle era maybe SpaceX and Boeing are going to send up some astronauts on their new orbiters and shuttles we'll see uh, you know 
I may be predicting what will come in 2025, but hopefully something comes out of 2020. We got the Artemis One, which is hopefully going to come at the end of the year, towards the end of the year. This is NASA's program to send people back to the moon because that was really fun the last time we did it. So let's try it again. And they've got to test the space launch system in this various stages. So hopefully there's going to be a launch along those lines in 2020. We got the Chang'e 5, which is China's next mission to the moon, and it's going to be a sample return mission. They're hoping to send back four and a half pounds of moon dirt. Maybe they'll turn it into some soup. I don't know what their plans are. Hopefully it's scientific and and we learn something out of it. We've got mega constellations coming up this year. You know, all the Starlink and there's other companies. OneWeb is doing its own thing, launching tons of satellites into orbit so we can have worldwide broadband communication. Astronomers are a little bit peeved. Everyone else is kind of excited. Debate ensues. But there's going to be hundreds of satellites doing this. Speaking of SpaceX, we got Starship, maybe. Now, I know it's called Starship. It doesn't really go to the stars. It's an interplanetary ship, but I guess like planet ship doesn't really get the creative juices flowing and the exploratory drive that we really want. So, okay, not planet ship. It's going to be Starship. Maybe there's going to be a launch, a test launch of a 2020 You know SpaceX and Dates, a very complicated relationship, and so don't be surprised if we're going to have to wait a little bit on this one. But the dark horse in all of this, Jeff Bezos' Blue Origins company, which is also developing reusable rockets, they have been quietly doing launch after launch after launch and not getting nearly the PR of anybody else. We've got perhaps a crude launch of the new Shepard, which is suborbital, but it's still space. But I believe it would be the first crew launched on a reused rocket or reusable rocket. And so good for them. They're, they're a little bit better with deadlines than SpaceX. Just tossing that out there so if you want to get excited about it. So there you go. Seven categories of launch. We're talking dozens of launches coming up in 2020. Hopefully some of them work. That's all I'm going to say. Don't I sound too pessimistic? It's the new year. I should be optimistic. I hope the majority of them work. That's the latest grace when it comes to space, but it's time to have a conversation. We've got a voicemail ready to go. The first space radio voicemail of the year and by the way if i haven't wished you a happy new year happy new year this is the first episode of 2020 we are looking up ahead we're not looking behind we're not turning around we're not questioning the past decade or being introspective no we are boldly stepping into the future at the rate of one second per second because that's how quickly time flows unless you know you're traveling very quickly it's it can get complicated fast but at our speed we are going to march forward into the future because we have no other choice and i have no choice but to play the first voicemail of 2020 greg are you sober yet are you still awake did did you just sleep through the new year it's 2020 greg it's 2020 greg and i need you to hit the button play the tape that one Thank you. If our subatomic world 
resembles our macro world that we live in here. An example as uh, atoms and electrons kind of resemble planets and moons. If our world has black holes, could our subatomic world also have subatomic black holes? And if that's the case, could the subatomic black holes also be the answer to gravity? Thank you. Wow, Cliff. What a doozy of a question. I feel like I'm going to take more than this this segment to, to answer this question. I've got a lot to unpack. It's a lot of really, really good stuff. I love this question, Cliff, and where you're coming from. First, I want to tackle this concept of the subatomic world resembling the macroscopic one, where in the macroscopic world, we have planets orbiting stars, and they go in circles and ellipses, and they do little loop-de-loops, and it, it looks nice and pretty. And then we have this picture of how atoms work with a dense, positively charged, heavy nucleus at the center, and then a bunch of electrons worrying about it, orbiting, blah, 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 doing their orbital thing. This picture resembles a solar system with the nucleus as the sun and the electrons as the planets. I am not blaming you, Cliff. This is not your fault, but we're going to have to just push ahead with some truth. And the truth is, I would like you, Cliff, personally, this is me to you, stop thinking about atoms in that way. Yes, atoms have a positively charged nucleus that is very heavy. Yes, surrounding that heavy, positively charged nucleus are a bunch of little tiny electrons but they are not orbiting. They are not revolving around. They are not spinning around. They are not acting like planets do in orbit around the sun. They are doing something completely different, so weird that we don't even have the language for it. We just have the mathematics Electrons exist in what we call orbitals. Now, I know that sounds like orbit, but it's a different word. And no, I'm not in charge of naming things. I would have named it something else. We call it orbitals. So don't let that get to you, Cliff. Don't go down that road. Don't be a fool. Orbitals are not orbits. We want orbitals, which just means an electron can be found in a certain range of positions around the nucleus the next time you go looking for it. That's all it means. They do not revolve around the nucleus the way planets revolve around the sun. Just stop thinking of atoms. Now I'm broadening up. Now I'm not just talking to Cliff. I'm talking to everybody. Is everyone listening? Stop thinking of electrons orbiting around the nucleus. That is not how it works. I don't care what the pictures say. I know someone's pointing a bit, but, but, but no, 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 we're not looking at pictures. We're not looking at cartoons. We're talking about reality. Electrons do not orbit around nuclei. There is little to no resemblance between the subatomic world and the macroscopic world. Now, as to the second part of the question, can we have microscopic black holes? Is that a thing? Yes, that's where I'm going to wait. I'm going to talk about that after the break, and then I'm going to get some space cadet questions because it's been 2020 and we haven't talked all year long, and they've got, they've got a backlog of questions. They just want to they just want to do it. I'm Paul Sutter, and this is Space Radio. This show is brought to you by you. That's right. Look in the mirror 
You're the one who's making Space Radio possible. Visit patreon.com slash pmsutter. That's P as in Paul, M as in Matt, Sutter, like butter but with an S, to learn how you can support this show. And I'll see you after the break. Support for 90.5 WCBE and Space Radio comes from Thompson Hine, a business law firm serving clients for more than a century. Thompson Hine provides innovative client service through SmartPath, a smarter way to work, predictable, efficient, and aligned with client goals. More information about the firm at thompsonhine.com. Welcome back, everyone. I'm Paul Sutter, and this is Space Radio. We've got more questions ready to go. Just like Cliff's question about the microscopic world and black holes, he was asking, can black holes exist in the microscopic world? The answer is maybe. We suspect that black holes might or might not exist microscopically. They might be produced in certain exotic reactions. Seems unlikely now that we've had a lot of evidence in exploration and testing, but you never know. That's not That door isn't completely shut. Could these black holes be responsible for gravity? Uh, no, that doesn't seem to work, although they're there is definitely an interesting relationship between the nature of black holes and what we understand about gravity. Microscopic black holes aren't going to be the thing that makes gravity happen. There are some people who think that microscopic black holes can be related to the dark matter, but even that is a little bit sketch about, especially nowadays. So once again, there is little to no resemblance between the microscopic and macroscopic world. And stop, I'm not yelling at you, Cliff. Stop trying to make that connection happen because it's just not going to work. Now, space cadets, loyal space cadets, checking in on spaceradioshow.com, following those links to Twitch and to YouTube. We've got Campbell Duncan on Twitch asking, will the James Webb be used to study the cosmic microwave background at all? No. Next question. Dragon Hellas on Twitch is asking, do aliens exist? I don't know. Do you exist? No. I mean, yes, aliens probably exist somewhere out there in the universe. It's a a lot of numbers have to line up just right for us to be the only life form in the universe. Are they here? Are they visiting? No, just no. I'm just going to put a hard no on that. We caught Cosmic, love that name, over on YouTube. Uh, what makes photons move? Photons are made of light. What makes them move? Here's a different question. I love questions like this because it gives me a chance to completely rephrase it. The question is what makes light move? Why? My question back to you is why shouldn't light move? What's stopping light? What's preventing it from moving? Why shouldn't light move? Light itself is made from waves of electricity and magnetism. Light is defined by movement. It's what it is. You can't have a wave without movement. That's the definition of a wave. It's, it's like asking why, and this is a beautiful question, by the way, I love it. Why do water waves move? Because that is the definition of a wave. It is a thing that moves. Light is waves of electricity and magnetism. Waves of electricity and magnetism must move. That is their natural state. It is the way they are. 
Just let a photon be what a photon wants to be. Michael on YouTube is saying, Happy New Year, everybody. Happy New Year. Back to you, Michael. Why is the new year now in the winter and why not in the summer? Are there any scientific reasons? No, I don't think there are any scientific reasons. I think there are some cultural reasons, mostly concerning the winter solstice in the Northern Hemisphere. A few couple weeks ago, we had the shortest day of the year. And so if you're going to start, you might as mark the year where is it going to start you got to pick it you got to pick somewhere in the annual cycle i like the idea i can see why ancient people picked on the shortest day of the year to be the start of the year because now things are coming back alive the sun is coming back out there's a sense of return of light and warmth and life and vitality and i don't know I like starting there. Can you imagine if we started our year in the summer? And I'm sorry for everyone who lives in the Southern Hemisphere that you have to experience this. Yeah, it's like, yay, the year is starting. Everything's going to die and then we're going to freeze and we are going to starve for a few months until our crops get. And that's, we don't want to start that way. We want to start on the upswing. Start when things are getting going. We can look forward to something in the new year. So no scientific reasons, but a lot of cultural reasons that I I agree with. And I'm I, once again, my apologies to all of humanity that lives in the Southern Hemisphere. And you don't get to experience this. <sighs> uh, we've got a question from Robinson Milani on YouTube asking, what are the similarities and differences of a singularity in the first moments of the universe? Easy question for you. Well, thank you very much. But... Uh, you also said thanks for the great show with a bunch of question marks. So I, I'm starting to doubt your intentions here, Robinson. But right, the centers of black holes, we don't understand. Our mathematics breaks down in the middle of a black hole. We call that place a singularity because we got to give it a name. We could have called it anything we wanted. We could have called it Greg. That looks like the end of something that we can't understand. But we called it a singularity. A singularity is a place where our mathematics breaks down. Our mathematics breaks down, especially in general relativity and our understanding of gravity. It breaks down in two places. One is at the center of black holes and one is at the beginning of the universe. Both places are regions where our understanding completely breaks down. That's the similarity. There are places that we don't understand in the universe. And our tools for understanding the universe are telling us, hey, you don't understand this part. The differences are massive. A singularity in a black hole is a singularity in space. It's a location. I can point to a singularity. Like, see right over there? There is a singularity right there. Us, the Big Bang singularity, the singularity at the beginning of the universe is a singularity in time. It's in our past. I can't point to it because it involves our whole entire universe, but I can reflect back on it. I can look back on it. I can know it's in the past, whereas a black hole singularity is a position in space. That's the major differences. They are unrelated except for the fact that, you know, understanding one will unlock massive secrets of the universe. Larry Beckham is uh, asking, is there lithium on the moon? 
yeah, you know, there's a massive problem, not a massive problem here, like all these rechargeable batteries that we are putting inside of everything up to and including our cars use a lot of lithium and lithium isn't the most common element in the universe. And if you've heard any of my shows, my podcasts or my collaborations I've done with uh, John Michael Godier's channel, I have a thing about lithium. I think it's the lamest element. I think it's we could pretty much get by without lithium, but I guess it's useful in certain limited contexts and we don't have a lot of it on the surface of the earth. Yes, there is lithium on the moon. Is it easily accessible? Is it accessible to the point where we could dig up moon rocks, grind them up, get the lithium, put them in a box and send the box to earth? I'm guessing no. Thank you all, Space Cadets, for all these amazing questions. We're almost out of time today on Space Radio. But before we go, it's time for the Blue Shift. I'm Paul Sutter, and you're listening to Space Radio. And this is the Blue Shift, my opportunity to get a little bit closer to you. If you're one of these strange people that owns a television... And if you're a member of the even stranger subset of people that subscribe to cable, and if you're a member of the even stranger subset of people who own a TV and subscribe to cable and have access to the Science Channel, you might be in for a little treat. If you tune in Thursdays at 8 p.m. Eastern, I believe, it's either 8 or 9 o'clock Eastern, you can watch the latest season of How the Universe Works. I am talking about it because, of course, I'm in it. This is my third season with How the Universe Works. As a contributor, I believe the first episode is about how asteroids are going to kill us all. And you get to see me on TV saying, asteroids are going to kill us all. And then after the break, is I explain how they're not going to kill us all. This is such a fun show. It features a roster of scientists from across the United States talking about all sorts of cool physics. And I'm one of them. I'm very lucky. I love working with the producers. They're really great. The topics they present are always interesting. They're always, they always respect the science. They don't try to hype things up, but they do have fun with it and explore some cool topics. This season, I had in a tremendous privilege that I got to be the cons- consultant and fact checker for this season. So I got to see all these episodes as they're being created, as they're being drafted and running through the early CGI and visual effects and you know, and, and going through the material and what they were presenting and how they were talking about it. And is this accurate? Is this well supported? Is this sketchy? And so we need to toss in some caveats. This was, it was a really, really fun experience. I love working with how the universe works. Believe it or not, the show gets renewed every single year based on the ratings. So right now it's airing over the next few months as it airs, as it runs. Science Channel, Discovery Channel, the the British equivalents are going to be watching those numbers to see how well it does, to, to see if they can give a green light to the producers to produce a season 10, I believe. I believe we're on season 9, if I'm right. I don't know. It's my third season with the show. I absolutely love working with them. I have such a great time. These, my segments, if you're curious, my segments were filmed at my old office at the Ohio State University, or we just, we just took some random room. No, we did it in a hotel room, but that's, that, 
that sounds weirder than it actually is. And that's a story for a different day. And unfortunately, this broadcast is almost done. Thank you for joining me on this voyage of space radio. Once again, I'm Paul Sutter, and this show is brought to you by you. Go to patreon.com slash PM Sutter to learn how you can contribute. Thanks to Greg Mobius for producing, Nancy Graziano for wrangling the space cadets, and all the fine crew at WCBE Radio in Columbus for making this show possible. Catch the live stream every Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern. Visit spaceradioshow.com for all the links. And of course, thanks again, Space Cadets, for listening. See you next week. And remember, science is for sharing. End of transmission.